Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about when life throws you a curveball. I feel like we've all been throwing curveballs over the last couple of years, but Mm. social media really allows you to see just how many curveballs a lot of us actually go through. I feel like, you know, many years ago, people only shared the highlight reels and now we're starting to see, you know, more authentic storytelling, more authentic sharing, uh, more transparency. And with that, more realization that everyone goes through their own shit. Yeah. And that's so good that, you know, it's no longer just a highlight reel, or if you know where to look, it's no longer a highlight reel. And I think people get comfort out of knowing that they're not alone. I mean, even, you know, two episodes ago, uh, where we gave people permission to rest type thing, people really responded well to that style of episode. Um, So I thought, hey, this would be a good idea because life can just be crazy out of the blue or things can compound until we almost reach breaking point. And it's so normal. So based on what we've been hearing from our own lives, from other people, again, um, I think it's important that we have an episode to say, you're not alone. Like life can be really hard sometimes. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's what it comes with. And I think so many people get stuck in the bubble that training has got to be perfect. You've got to hit your macros every day. Like things are going to be easy. And I've been saying this all year, but I feel like I've been trying to get in routine all year and things happen. And I've come to this realization that lack of routine is my routine. Like, and that's everyone's routine. Like I've done it my whole life with shift work. Why would I expect anything to be different, right? Real life means that things are going to happen. We're going to have positive experiences. We're going to have like social events. We're going to have all these amazing things, but then we're also going to have grief. You know, we're going to have funerals. We're going to have like circumstances that aren't ideal, that aren't optimal, but as cliche as it sounds, it's not about those events that actually happen. It's what we do with it. It's how we respond and it's how we bounce back. Yeah. And you said that so well. I mean, even when people sign up for coaching or whatever, and they see that there's a specific amount of time, whether it be 16 weeks, 20 weeks, 24 weeks, and they're kind of umming and ahhing and trying to predict what's going to happen in that time frame to work out whether it's a good time to sign on. And you kind of have to remind that person. And, and sometimes we remind ourselves, hey, there's actually no perfect time frame of things to look after yourself as you said Sherelle you know it's just about how you work through that and and maybe not having a routine is the routine but that's the key because if we're always waiting for a time in which nothing bad will happen or nothing that will get in the way then we're not actually going to take action because it's it's impossible there's always going to be something coming up I love it when people are like, oh, can I start on Monday? Do you know what I mean? I have this thing at the moment, right? Like I've been noticing, you know how like back when we first started in fitness, it was all about 12-week challenges? Yeah. I've noticed and everyone else, like you will notice too, it's now the eight-week challenge because everyone's releasing eight-week challenges because no one can adhere to 12-week challenges because everyone's worried about starting on Monday or starting next week or starting in summer. Like it's this whole like delayed um, process because we're waiting, oh, I've got an event on this weekend, I'll push it. And it's sort of like this, like I said, lack of routine is routine and it's actually how you learn to balance, how you, you know, your yin to your yang. It's like your default habits, which I think is something really important that I always come back to. Like if my default habit is that I choose whole food 
um, and if I eat my main meals and I have vegetables and I drink two litres of water and my pristine habits are hitting my macros, well, what a fantastic default to go back to. So I think it's really important to re, like reward yourself for having strong default habits and make sure that you're focusing on those small things rather than letting social events or things that are outside of your control or you know getting hyper aroused or manic or whatever it might be derail you from making any progress because that's what happens people go all in or they go all out and they just binge or they do nothing or they don't go for their morning walk or they let all those processes go and I think today we really want to have a chat about it's not the thing it's not getting to the gym it's not tracking your food it's just looking after yourself and keeping those small promises those small non-negotiables because they're actually the thing that keeps you together. Like a lot of people go, I don't have time to go to the gym. It's like, you don't not have time to schedule an hour for yourself in the day. Maybe you don't have to go to the gym, but you can go for a walk. The same with your nutrition. Like maybe you can't track, maybe things are outside of your control with nutrition, but that doesn't mean that you can't choose food sources that align with your goals. Yeah, that's very good. And just to not overwhelm yourself, right? As you said, have a a few key default habits that you can go back to that ground you, that keep you going. Um, And yeah, to to not have an hour, as Tony Robbins actually says, if you don't have an hour, you don't have a life. It's like you need to get yourself in a position where you can have an hour for yourself, whether it be for the gym or a doctor's appointment or something, you know, for a loved one, if they need you, it's really important to try and and frame your life um, so you do have that time. But in saying that, you know, you and I have been locked in really tight schedules in the past and sometimes it's easier said than done. Yeah, um, I actually haven't heard that. If you don't have an hour, you don't have a life. It's so true, right? Oh, it hit me hard when I oh, learned that. Yeah. It just hit me hard because I think um, I don't have time is bullshit and I pull people up all the time because <laughs> sometimes I catch myself saying it. You know, and we all don't have time for the things that we don't prioritize. That's just the reality. So I'm like, look, I don't have time for the dishes. Of course, <laughs> I don't have time for the dishes, <laughs> right? Of course. But you bet my bottom dollar, I'll find an hour and a half to get my ass to the gym. Yeah. Right? So it's just about realizing your own excuses when they show up. And like I said, some of these small things that you think you don't have time for, they can be the most important thing to lean back on. And today we really just want to acknowledge that, yes, life's going to throw you curveballs things are going to happen, like optimal doesn't really exist. We need to go back to what's practical. You know, everyone thinks it's like a linear progression to their goal. And it's like, it's absolutely not. It's like Mm. this, you know, weaving motion of going up and down, up and down, up and down, like a graph to be able to get towards your target. Yeah. And upon reflection and and based on my life now, compared to when I was in a comp prep, in my final comp prep, I was sort of really um, tunnel visioned, to get the result. And that's the year that I did turn pro. And look, I don't think it was a coincidence because I manipulated my whole life just to be about comp prep. I literally moved out of home because mom and I in the same house in a comp prep clashed just because she didn't change. She was still her beautiful self, but I was just next level hard. You know how you get sometimes in a comp prep. Um, I, I, yeah, was single, didn't go on dates or anything, hardly saw any friends. I would just work, sleep, train, um, and not even work that much, to be honest. So it was literally just train, sleep, eat, all, pose, all the things that you need to do. And yes, I ended up turning pro, but then like, where was all the other elements in my life? Because I reflect and I go, why does life feel so much more emotional now and harder and, and this and that? And, and I have to say, well, Danny, you're actually sort of living a fulfilling life now. You're allowing relationships in. You're, you're allowing yourself to be in situations where you feel more wholehearted towards things rather than just robotic. 
Um, So I feel like the more of a life that you're living, the harder the things are, if that makes sense. Or if you take a chance with work, it's going to be harder. If you take a chance with a relationship, you're going to get those ups and downs. So I had to sort of just recently have that realization and say, well, life wasn't easier back then. It was just smaller and you weren't, yeah, it was different. You weren't doing as much. So it was kind of like me patting myself on the back saying, hey, it's hard sometimes, but you're doing things that make up a full life, you know? Yeah, like priority, your priority shift and change. And that's, of course, going to change what you see as a challenge. Do you know what I mean? For some people not being able to hit their targets, that's a challenge when they go away on the weekend, you know, and, and that's fine. That's so fine. That's because of your priorities. I have this thought of you can really only, you might have three main areas of your life. For example, you might have relationships, you might have work, and then you might have your own personal goals, whether it's body composition or self-development or whatever it might be. You can really only ever excel at two of them at a time you're never going to hit all three so for example let's say comp prep um something for me like my personal goals which is competing which you just mentioned too and business are going to be the only two facets I can focus on and this means it comes at a cost everything we do comes at a cost there's no getting around it no one has the best of everything this means social events socialization um and I guess you know going away and being able to make time for those activities going out for lunch like all those social relationship things that's the thing that I'm going to compromise and that's okay do you know what I mean because you've got to pick your two you've got to pick you can't have everything thriving all at once because yes I can go out for breakfast and track my toast and bacon and whatever I can do that but am I really there like or am I still sort of consumed in okay better track that better do that of course, the latter, like I'm consumed in my true priorities. And I think that's really important to name because um, something that Michelle often says is, you know, we're never in balance, we're always balancing. It's about realizing that we're never going to be having this beautiful, like fluent life with everything's glowing. And you'll see that people focus on different things at different times. You know, like you just mentioned, Danny, you had a big period where competing and your personal goals and all of those things were a top priority. And then it shifted. And like you said, it's not better or worse, it's just different. And everyone goes, through that like we may go through a stage where motherhood is is our priority we don't give a shit about our body like (laughs) in terms of the aesthetics right like so it's really important to understand that like there's no point getting like hell caught up in a chapter because it's just a chapter and it's going to change so you may as well give that chapter your all I love that. I love that so much. And while we're sort of talking about analogies, I love the the chapter one as well. But to bring back to the title, you know, when life does throw you a curveball and and we use the word when specifically because it will and it always does and that's okay, you can either try and resist the curveball and just keep swinging aimlessly and pretending it's not happening and, you know, the curveballs keep coming. You can let that ball pass and go, whoa, okay, that was a little bit full on wow, let's accept it and see what happens. And then, or you can learn a new batting technique, change your path, change what you're doing um, and and all of that. So yeah, like there's different ways that we um, respond to curveballs. You know, at the start, you may find yourself resisting because you almost, you don't want to accept that it's happening. And then there's only so long you can do that before it comes crashing down. And, And once you get your rational thought back, you go, okay, cool what's the game plan from now on? Let's yep. go. Let's make a change. Yeah, absolutely. And I think moving on from that, right? Like we can't control, we can't control some of the things that happen, right? We can't, we actually have little control over a lot of things that happen in life. 
the only thing that we have control over is what we do with it or our response, our reaction. And this is so important to understand because it allows you to put your focus where it counts. We can't control the weather. We can't control the traffic. We can't control what people say about us. We can't control platforms that we use. We just can't control it. So, and that's the definition of anxiety, right? Getting worried about the shit that you can't actually control because it's consuming you and people get so worried about it because it's lack of control. So if we do that, like you turn and we go, well, what's with you in my control? Yes, my reaction, you know? So it's really important to focus on that and something we wanted to dive into was like maybe how to better recognize your reaction uh, and then what we do with it like Danny and I have probably had a lot of I don't want to say experience because we're still only like late <laughs> 20s right like it's not like we're Just. really wise but I feel like honestly like past um career wise for me like as a nurse midwife man did my reaction my poker face how I responded I had to be the calmest freaking person in the room when I was <laughs> shitting bricks on the inside being like oh no no but you can't do that because your reaction influences other people yeah. you know and if you get worked up and show anxiety or worry or uncertainty like if you're in a position of power or leadership or authority you need to be the calm person in the room to compose and collect everyone else right so important to understand that and I say that because obviously Danny like we have times where we like flip our lid and when we're emotional when we we respond with emotion and things don't you know go to plan but as I mentioned it's what we do with it yeah yeah and very much the the situation as you said for example if you're delivering a baby it wouldn't be ideal for for the person that you're dealing with to see your face looking scared and that'll be just a big mirror and a big shit show for what I'd imagine or even as a coach or a therapist or any job as you said where you are in power like you do need to keep a bit of or a lot of a poker face in those times but for example if you're with your friends or someone that you trust you don't have to have that poker face if you don't need to. And I think I definitely went from a time where I felt like I always had to have the poker face and definitely suppress a lot of emotion. But, uh, you know, as we learn and grow older, you learn, hey, you can't store everything, but you just need to find a scenario in which you're safe to just let out any energy or emotion that you need. So it, it really depends on the situation that you're in. Yeah. One of the main things, and I think we've spoken about this a couple of times, Danny, on the podcast is having a fight or flight response. And this is like, I want to say it's almost like common for probably the people listening to us because we've probably spoken about it so many times when it comes to physiologically in the body, you know, being in states of stress or whatever that might be. But when it comes to understanding our nervous system from a fight or flight response, it's about also understanding that there is an emotional um, attachment to that too. Like our thought process and our behaviors can have a fight or flight response. So for example, if I go back to the comp prep example, because it's just the most extreme thing that we probably do in a fight response, we're so motivated. We're driven. We're going to do anything. We're going to pack our meals for six days. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to take it on the plane. We're going to say no to mom's cooking. Like we're in a fight. We're a push. We're on push up. Right. So it's about knowing that we have these phases when we're working towards because comp prep's adversity. It's a challenge. And that's all we're saying. Like challenge is often choice when it comes to things, not not all the time, but when it comes from a place of choice, we're choosing to respond with a fight response to just push through just to get the shit done and be self-disciplined. But then I also see from more of a coaching lens, right? A, um, a flight response shows up for uh, a lot of people too. So when things don't go to plan, or let's just say that maybe they had a binge response, I don't know, like they haven't stuck to their plan. They may have a flight response where they pull back, they withdraw, 
they don't check in, they don't speak to their coach, they go MIA, all those things sort of happen. And it, it's usually from a place of shame and guilt, I find, like whenever there's shame and guilt associated, mm. people can tend to not want to own it, right? We're not going to rock up with a fight response when we're feeling, you know, guilty or, or shameful or embarrassed even more so. So I think like when you can recognize in yourself, like which one you default to, right? More so. Some people might be more of a fighter. I have a sense like Danny, we probably are where I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. We'll just do this and we'll action and we put out the safety net or whether you're someone that tends to pull back and hibernate, go into your shell a little bit. I think it's about understanding that that's just a default reaction. And then what? That's what we're talking about. Like that's going to mm. happen, but then what? Like if I notice that I'm just pushing and I'm, I'm fighting through, that's okay for a period of time. But we can't do that forever. And that's yeah. why that, you know, understanding that maybe we've got three areas of life and we need to have balance eventually by shifting gears and changing focuses. That's what balance really is like. Yeah, yeah, really well said. And I love that you started on fight or flight. There are a few different reactions that will go on, but I think most people definitely recognize that. And it's probably the easiest to recognize within yourself. Again, case by case, like at work, from what you said, you know, you and I are definitely the type to try and find an answer and try and take control of it and say, no, we'll do this. Um, Arguments with a loved one, very different. Like, again, it really depends on the scenario. Uh, When it comes to like a discussion or something that's a bit, Uh, I just sort of love to flight, like run away almost just to have my own space. Whereas you'd notice some other people can get really forceful and get in your face and and that's their fight response. Um, I think it's really important that you mentioned this is like a default response and the default response comes based off what allows us to feel safe or to try and navigate the situation. It's so primal. It's, you know, innate in us. We can change it, but that it's very hard to because it's sort of hardwired in our DNA. It is also important in hard times to recognize, hey, I'm acting a little bit weird right now. It's It might be out of character, but that's because you do go into one of those parts. And the person, someone else that you're with that's going through a hard time, they might be acting up and make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but that's them just trying to stay safe. And that's their default pattern or part so sometimes it's it's not right to have two parts trying to, you know, solve a problem. You might have to give space or you might have to recognize and say, hey, let's address it when we're not as stressed or when things cool down a little bit and try and just get back in your window of tolerance and, and then address it later. Um, mm. A lot of people, and as hard as it is to sort of pull back because we all just want to fix it straight away, oh, sometimes... You know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes you just have to say, well, we're both in like heavy parts right now. Let's just call it and we'll come back when we're when we're not as stressed. Yeah, really well said. Something that always I always tune in with myself and try and do and go, is this my expectation or is this someone else's? Because when yeah. what you know, what triggers us teaches us. I say it all the time because if you notice that you're, you know, getting hot or or like, you know, withdrawing away or whatever it might be however you're responding it's it's normal and it's fine but it's telling you something it's telling you like this is triggering me because this is something that I had a lot of trouble with but I just did it and this person's not doing it like just do it it's so easy I did it but that's my expectation and it's not easy for everyone you know and I think as a coach self-awareness is so important because people just literally scream calorie deficit (laughs) shit it's not helpful it's not helpful people it's not helpful (laughs) I've been thinking about this for a little bit I'm like everyone knows what to do like everyone knows what to do in fact a lot of people know how to do it 
They just know to go to the gym. They just know to go for a walk. They know to drink some water. <laughs> the reason that then, why aren't they doing it? Yeah. That's the coach's job is to understand like, well, why? Okay, they know what, they know how. I'm telling them what and I'm telling them how. Why not? And usually, honestly, it's like we need to do like a big hard look in the mirror and go, how am I responding? How am I coaching? How am I leading? What am I role modeling? And even to draw it back to like what you were saying, daddy, from a personal experience, I will try and fix with a fight part. I'll try and push. I'll try and fix. I'll try and solve. I'll try and push my way through the (laughs) challenge. And then when it's too much, I'll fly. Where I come down. And you see this with, I do this with arguments. Like, you know, it's really easy to keep you cool in a work meeting or with an acquaintance or with like a, you know, like in an open public environment. It's so much harder in relationships, in dynamics, you know, and there's things that I would never do in a Zoom that I would do with Luke, you know, that I would say. And that's so normal to recognize because we all have that. The the safer we feel around people, the weirder shit gets. (laughs) I I said to Luke, I was like, if people like had a camera and actually saw how weird we were, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But then I realized I'm like, this is not everyone, right? Like everyone's a little bit weird and a little bit different. Like, oh yeah really safe in their environment but then the same thing goes is because like if we have an argument like man I'll have a fight part go out I don't fly Mm. but then if it's like too much I'm like I'm leaving I'm done I'm out I'm finished right so it's about noticing like what like what you default to um but then what your responses are like I leave the room like I leave yeah. the house, I'm done. That's that's my finish. And I'll, it'll usually be followed with words like I'm done. Do you mm. have a, a sense of like what yours is, Danny? Like how you approach, whether it's conflict with, you know, your partner or like in, in any other environment? Yeah, I, I, I just walk away, like, but not like extremely. I mean, if it's just normally these conversations happen when I'm just so tired and I'm like, oh, I just want to go to bed. Like, so I'm so out of my window that I cannot be bothered even just talking anymore. Like that, this was literally me like the other day. And like, I'm not a yeller or a screamer or whatever. And that works for some people and that's fine, but it's just not me. So if I can't have a conversation, I don't want to do anything. I'm like, I'm just going to put myself to bed. Like I'm, I'm just that person and it works for me, but it doesn't always work for the other person. Cause then the other person, no matter who it is, might be like, Hey, you're running away from me. What are you doing? Like, I want to address it now. And I'm kind of like, no. So then it's just so important to recognize other people's parts, like mm-hmm. recognize why they want to, why I want to run away or why they want to have that discussion now. But what you just said, like the safer you feel with someone, like the weirder it is type thing. And I feel like whether it be your parents or your partner or a best friend, like it just hurts more when something's a little bit off. Cause like, it's like those people are your safety net. Whereas if it was a random on the street saying something, I'd be like, mm, whatever, just okay. Um, but then if, if someone that you really love said that thing, it's like, oh my God, like, okay, shit. And then the reactions can just go nuts if you don't address it. Yeah, very well said. And I think a lot of people would be able to relate with that because usually we we respond like not like ourselves and we are around people that we trust. You know, a lot of people, for example, something might happen at work and you'll hold it together until you get home and then your partner asks you how your day was and then all of a sudden the waterworks, you know, and I think it's really important to acknowledge that that's normal. That's so normal. And I think um, when it comes back to, you know, dealing with adversity, something that 
everyone can work on to the end of time is self-awareness and mm. obviously Danny that's something that we've been working hard on and I think I sometimes feel like I have a superpower when I'm like can be having a conversation and I can see parts showing up for other people and responses and just things that are unlike them or whatever that might be uh, and I can feel triggered I can feel hot, I can feel angry or whatever, I can feel frustrated or I can notice things show up for me, but I don't necessarily have to respond with it. It's that whole context of like facts or sorry, feelings are not facts. I love that fact or feeling, fact or feeling, because they're not, they're not the same thing. Like often we have feelings, right? We, we just generate feelings based off experience and that's fine. Sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're sad. The weather changes that for me. It doesn't mean that I you know, change my behaviors. I stay in bed all day, like whatever. It doesn't mean I necessarily have to respond with that because you know, it's just going to fluctuate and it's going to come and go. But yeah. I think self-awareness is obviously something that's, um, I don't want to say trendy, but it's like modern pop. Like our parents, for example, like they didn't even grow up with talking about mental health, yeah. let alone self-awareness. And that's why I think it's it's our responsibility, like our generation, to model this to the younger generation um, and normalize that everything we do improves when we have a higher level of self-awareness if we know why we're doing what we're doing and why we're responding um, in the ways that we are we can have self-compassion for ourselves because we don't get angry that we're binged or that we've skipped the gym or that whatever because if we get angry and we feel frustrated it's just like this constant spiral that goes round and round in circles and that's how people get stuck honestly it's our job to be able to be like why am I doing this you know and getting curious about why we're responding that in that way rather than frustrated or embarrassed or, you know, feeling guilty about it. Yeah. And you're so right about how it's changed sort of within the generations. I mean, or even when we were in school, like you wouldn't want to see the school counselor. It was kind of like a taboo thing and you'd see someone walk out of the office and like, it was just such a, a foreign concept like but now my cousin's actually a school counselor now and she shows me all of the things that she takes the kids through in high school and it's exactly all because she's done Michelle's course the neuroscience course as well and it's like a, a kid's version of of neuroscience work and meditation and and knowing that it's okay to talk and it's just so beautiful that it, it makes me emotional just being like oh my goodness I wish I learned this stuff in like yep. year seven and it's just so beautiful to see that people are more accepting of the fact that hey we all need someone to talk to like it doesn't always have to be family or friend maybe it does have to be a professional and that's okay it's removing the stigma of talking to someone because you and I know how important it is but you know it's still that crossover of like in the past versus now of that stigma but now I feel like it's definitely being removed and to have it in the education system like done really well that is a big step forward for society absolutely I don't even think I had a counselor in school I don't even think we oh. had a school counselor that's how it's but but yeah I have um a couple of friends that are social workers um in schools and like it seems like it's very common and even Luke he used to have a job in well-being he was the well-being mm-hmm. coordinator so did a lot of that referring out it's crazy because I think um obviously like technology and those sorts of things like make the I guess the issues bigger and at a younger age you know we didn't have exposure to a lot of those things but then also just normalizing how important speaking and self-awareness and managing reactions and survival pathways and the importance of those younger years like like I said imagine having that superpower growing up like it would have just it would have just changed so much for people and I think it's so important to like normalize the internal 
work. I sort of think that internal work and understanding these sorts of things, like the mindset stuff, it's still very wishy-washy for a lot of people. I'm like, no, no, no. You know, that's the difference between the good and the great. Mm. It's We all know, even if you think about the gym, like how important is your mindset for showing up? It's the difference between a good session and a bad session. It really is. Even top-level athletes, they work on their mindset because they know how crucial it is for performance. So it's about why would that be any different, whether it's a workplace argument or a disagreement with your partner or like dealing with an injury, why would that be any different when it's not in relationship dynamic, when it's just with the relationship with yourself? Like I would argue it's more important, like how we learn to self-coach, self-soothe and like regulate ourselves and get ourselves out of a hard situation rather than waiting for someone else to come in and save the day because that takes too long and it never really happens. So it's about realizing how can we ingrain that in ourselves because that's the superpower that's the self-awareness piece yeah and that's so great I mean a lot of people are talking about mindset and all of that but it is kind of it's trendy which it's good but then I don't want people to be put off because some people just aren't doing it authentically and it leaves just a bit of a sour feel around the whole mindset piece so it's like Oh, just, just actually go to someone who's qualified and a professional and, and good on the people who are trying, but it's a very touchy subject. And even you and I, we, when we do podcasts like this, we always say, Hey, we're not actually qualified psychologists, but here's some um, information based on our life and what we've learned Mm -hmm. when reaching out, but we're never going to just give full advice for someone who's actually been through like trauma and and like like really 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 big things or someone Mm -hmm. who's struggling in a way that that's big now we would always recommend to refer out so um, people just need to recognize there are different um, levels of working on your mindset you know you and I can talk about sort of the surface level and, and go a little bit deeper but for the deep work it's not an Instagram thing a TikTok thing or any sort of platform it's like you sitting with someone who's qualified So really important to recognize the difference there. Yeah, because even like when we look at that, right, like really I feel like it's it's difficult because I think a lot of people are, are mixing up trauma and mindset. Like there's a difference between working on someone's mindset, helping them develop positive habits, um, a growth mindset. Like there's a difference between that. So like you said, it's very superficial. It's zoomed out. It's like understanding grit. It's like understanding those things. Whereas like dealing with trauma, which is what you see a lot of like mindset coaches doing is saying like, you know, they've had trauma. So let me help you through yours. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Like there's, yeah. And I think you know, both of us, Danny, we have a lot of context and probably experience. And I understand the repercussions of fucking with people's traumatic experiences and pretending like you can fix it. You, A lot of people can do more damage than good. And I'll 100% be the first to say that anything that comes up like that, it's not our role as a coach. It's our role as a coach to be like, get curious about it. Maybe if they feel safe enough to share those things, thank them, of course, but then say, you know, reminding people of their spaces, you know, and saying like, this needs to be done one-on-one space with a trained professional to help you through this, because it's just not something that I'm experienced in. I want to make sure I've got your best interest at heart. Like people appreciate that when you recognize what your scope is, you know, of course, coaches need to work on like habits and behaviors and, you know, recognizing wins and those sorts of things. That's, that's surface level. But when it goes in, like, let's, (laughs) let's fix your traumatic response or your eating disorders or whatever it might be like all those things fall in the same category it's a past sort of traumatic experience and it needs absolutely outsourcing 
Yeah, yeah. And I feel like we say that in so many episodes, but it's needed. Like if we could say that in every single episode, I would if it's relevant, because it's just so important. But like we want to normalize the fact that these things are present and it's okay. Like it's hard being a human, guys. Like it's so fine, but, you know, get the right help. And like, we can't also from the other side have expectations on one coach or one person to try and fix everything or help us through everything. So have a team of people. Like yep. it's so much better to have a team of qualified professionals. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, yeah, it's important to normalize that, especially in, you know, coaching is so unregulated and it's like, I, I always feel honored when people share things to me where I'm like, wow, like you must really trust me to be able to share that. And it's a lot, a fixer, someone who's a fixer wants to fix shit, but it's also knowing what's actually going to fix this. You know, it's not me. It's not my space. It's not my expertise. Who else can help? Who else can help? Yeah, really well said. So going back to the survival sort of mechanisms, I mean, we've spoken about fight and flight um, and there are three others that might you might not know about or you might um, one of them which I oh, I fall into the I've been falling into this one a fair bit with my own doing so it's like a freeze um, so you sort of just it's almost as if you go blank and it's kind of like a deer in headlights type thing where you just shut down almost and and it's my own doing and I feel like literally I'm I'm coming out of one right now I don't know I just love sharing personal stories because hopefully people can relate and you know we might always appear that we're on and this and that but far out it can it can add up so like we've had non-stop for me it happens when I just haven't given myself time to self-soothe or to self-regulate and for me personally it, it might be different for everyone else it's just time in my own space and mind like we've done a lot of cool things with traveling and seminars, the gym and, and, you know, all of that. And then we, we lost the loved one in the family. So then dealing with that on the back end, and I had a friend visit sort of amongst all of this. So it's been a lot of heavy emotions. And as empathetic humans, you wear emotion of people, whether it be the extreme highs or the extreme lows, but it's only so much that you can take. And I hadn't really given myself space to myself to just rest um, so then I kind of took the advice of our podcast that we released about resting and I'm like, you know what, I spent like a lot of yesterday just in bed, chilling out, had a real big headache, felt like crying at any second. It's just all normal. The past me would have been like, oh my God, you're losing the plot. What is wrong with you? But I'm like, mm, I've got some energy that needs to come out, whether it be in the form of a headache or tears or just stepping away, address it. And then I slept 10 hours last night and now slowly coming out of it. But I think it's just you know, that was a very surface level of what the past, you know, couple of months has been for me. And sorry if it was a bit skimmed, but I just wanted to really um, reiterate the fact that there's only so much we can take as humans, whether it be highs, lows, in-betweens. Um, and if you don't address it in the interim, you might not give yourself time. You are going to have a point where you do go into that shutdown and, and that freeze and then collapse almost. So, yep. you know, it's going to come eventually. Do you deal with it at the time or do you have to show face? But you have to expect it to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the most important thing to understand is like these are just responses like when mm. things are a bit too much. And sometimes we, we do take on things that are a bit too much and, you know, we get pushed to our limits and that's 
that's sort of healthy. Like, you know, I'd argue like going through different responses, just responses. It's just like how long you stay there, what you do with it. Like, what are the actions, the behaviors that you, that you default to, to manage with that? Like, obviously we've got productive behaviors and unproductive behaviors. Laying in bed's productive, right? There's definitely different ways that people try and get like a dopamine hit or pick themselves back up that aren't productive. So when it comes to freeze specifically, like you said, I, I guess one of the words that always comes up for me is like numb. Like you just feel numb. And I just like, if I'm in a freeze response, I've just got like, I I don't have the ability to feel for other people or myself. And I just feel very detached. And I think a lot of people that went through any sort of extreme lockdown can definitely relate to that because it was numb. Like that word come up on the internet so frequently. It's like, I just don't care. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm numb with it. Like, and then, you know, you might find that you go from freeze to fight and all of a sudden people are angry. And then like, it's not like you're just stuck in one until something happens. It's sort of like you're stuck in one until you find another, unless you regulate yourself and you do something productive. Like you said, Danny, like just sleeping in and just having a chill day allows you to fill your cup back up and get back into your window and, and get on with your day. But that freeze response, it definitely shows up for a lot of us. And I'm very similar to you, Danny. Like when I go through something that's like a freeze response, I'll very much um, withdraw and warmth is a big one for me. Like it's funny, freeze, like cold, but have a Ah. bath. You know, I'll like, yeah, like lay in bed. I'll sit in front of the heater. Like warmth is a big resource for me when I'm going through something that's like um, replicating like a freeze response. Yeah, 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 for sure. So it is common. We all go through it at different levels as well. And, you know, you can be stuck in in one for it might not just be a day or two. It can be weeks or months or even years, particularly if you're not breaking the pattern or if you don't really understand what's happening. So Mm. that's why it's so important to to tune in. But then also if you're confused, tune out and, and ask for help there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other ones as well that we haven't spoken about, but I feel like we have like throughout used a lot of these words when we shared our own experiences is a submit response. So this can be really correlated with shame, um, you know, feeling a bit flat, um, filled with self-hate, self-loathing. It's it's very like a negative one, isn't it? That submit, but it's another one that definitely does show up in line with freeze as well. Yeah. And it can also be like where you just literally try and fix everything because Mm. you're covering up your own shit. And you, you do see that with coaches as well, which again, like we say this out of kindness, but just observations, like a lot of the time people are trying to help other people, but they haven't helped themselves yet. And that can bring in that feeling of being inauthentic or, Mm. you know, they, they try and they're in that part, you know, submit and shame, but they're, they're, they can't address it within themselves so they try and address it in other people which you know it it can work for the other person who's getting the help but then within you'll always feel a little bit off just because it's like oh I'm helping these people do it but I haven't addressed this within myself so they you sort of tap into trying to be a hero or of self-sacrificing as well um but again like as soon as you get out of that part it's like I still haven't addressed what I need to Mm, really well said you do see it show up a lot with that self-sacrificing piece like I have you know I do everything for my clients and I'm the last on the priority list or even like a lot of mothers you know of course that's going to show up when like you don't deem yourself as a top priority but it is that self-sacrificing way like you're at the bottom of the list and we just can't have that like long term we can have it for periods of time but we just can't stay in that state one that probably correlates a lot with that is an attached part. 
Now attached is we all have it. We like we bought, we've got all of these, right? But we all have very strong attached parts from being babies, right? We cried and we relied on those attached parts to be able to be fed and to survive because we can't really survive as a newborn on our own. So attached parts are very strong, but they they cling on to people. I have strong attached parts to Luke, right? No. I'm like, can you fix this? Can you do that, please? Like, what are you doing today? Like those are my attached parts sort of coming out wanting to connect. And I would say like, you know, Danny, you probably have really strong attached parts too because we've got a podcast together. We're constantly collaborating with other people. We like networking. Like those are attached parts that have a need to feel connected to other people. And that's really important. They're really important to nurture those attached parts. Yeah, for sure. And they do certainly come out with loved ones. I mean, um, I definitely notice those attached parts being a lot stronger when I moved away from family. And I don't know if you had the same, but like when I, there was sort of a, a subconscious threat, quote unquote, that they were far away. I think it was like just a subconscious thing to be like, <gasps> like my attached parts are coming out. Whereas where's my circle? Like they're not within distance um but of course when you feel like they're there all the time or you can see them whenever it's like that I never noticed that so um yeah it was all part of being homesick and and everything but you know that can be you know good old technology a phone call or a FaceTime Mm. or like a hug from someone that you are with it's nice to address the touch parts but then you don't want to be too needy that's Mm. when it starts to get really you know heavy because sometimes someone might be in an attached part and you're like whoa I'm in a flight part I'm trying to escape and it's like a game of pac-man on who's chasing who and I've definitely been in those scenarios and it's like okay um again tune in you're in a part I'm in a part how do we address it here because sometimes they can conflict right yeah absolutely I think as well like when you said like don't be too needy the reason why these Um, responses show up so dominantly is because we're not meeting the needs of them. So if you're like running around chasing this guy, right. And you're like, (laughs) love me, love me, love me, love me. And he's like, no, no, no. Like you're being triggered because that attached part's not actually being met. Um, So it's about realizing how can you make that attached part be met? Maybe he doesn't want it. Right. Like I had this funny question come in my Q&A box the other day and I was like, this is funny. Like, so ironic. It's so obvious to me, but this chick was like, um, so been seeing this guy for two months, um, but I've only caught up with him twice and he's not replying to me now. What do I do? And I was like, <sighs> he doesn't want it. Like, leave him alone. Like, like back, like fly, like, yeah. you know, don't, don't push through with it. Like sometimes the things that might seem so obvious, you're, you're just trying to fight through with the wrong sort of part. And like, that's obviously an attached part. Like if things, if people aren't interested, you need to sort of find another way to meet that need. And the same context goes for a fight part. If we are feeling like we're motivated, we've got adrenaline, we want to push through, like the worst thing you could do is go and lay in bed. Like I'd be like, yeah. lay in bed like <laughs> going and the same with the freeze like you're not going to feel motivated when you're in a freeze response that's okay go watch Netflix like it's about realizing one that self-awareness piece because if you if you can identify what you're going through and notice what you're going through you know what needs uh, need to be met and you know what responses need to be done and we've all not done these things and there's going to be periods where we can't like for example if we're like in a freeze response and we're going to go to work and we're like can't be bothered you know like how can we artificially um, bring yourself back up, get yourself out of that state, move forward, right? We can't always respond with exactly how we're feeling. That's the art of it. But doing that is exhausting. 
right? We all know what it feels like to be like, oh my God, that was a big day, you know, because I felt really flat and I've had to go to work and put on a smile. That's really difficult. And that's why it can be really draining when you've got to do that constantly. So we can do it for short periods. It's just, you know, short periods. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry to that client who's going through that. God, I don't miss those games. We've all been there when we're young, but it's like, it can seem so obvious on the outside, but A, you're in a part, B, they've probably talked the talk and painted a big, beautiful future that you'd have together and talk shit to so you believe it. And Mm. you just want to hold on to it, particularly if you can't think rationally. And when we are in these parts, you don't think rationally because, you know, you're just not present. You're just going based off feelings and emotions. and, And then you can look back and say, oh my God, what was I doing? But at the time, it's like, it might be obvious for the outside person, but it's not obvious to you. Um, nah, yeah, it's yeah, true. So I was run for the hills, sis. There's someone else for you, trust me. I'm so glad I'm not single. Like I you get all the, the questions though. I would be the most savage single person ever, I reckon. Now, Carl, what would you do, you reckon? Oh, I just think like, I just, I just give so much less fucks now that I'm 28. I don't know what it is. Like I haven't been single since I was 21. So, you know, like when you're younger, strong attached parts, like wanting to please people, of course. Right. Like, but I don't, I don't, I used to think it was an age thing. I used to think, oh, the older you get, the wiser you get, the better you can respond. But I now know it's not an age thing right? It's not an age thing. It's like an inner work thing. Like there's people in their forties and fifties that don't have self-awareness. And like I said, it's a generational thing. Um, but it's, it's also a work thing. Like we're put in the work to be able to get to that. And I just think that if I was single and if I was in that situation, even with friendships, like if, if people don't put in the work, like why should I like, and if you, if you have self-worth and self-esteem and a lot of people get self-esteem mixed up with arrogance. And I think that's incorrect. Like a lot of people think, oh, like she's arrogant or whatever. And it's like, no, if you're someone that has like a high level of self-esteem, like a lot of people are intimidated by like, by that self-esteem, but it's not, Mm. it's not arrogance, confidence in who you are and having worth. And I think everyone should have that. And that's why if I was single and a guy didn't respond to me, (laughs) fuck them. (laughs) I would move on unless I've done something like, unless I've done something, but the same with friendships, right? Like I will put in the F um, the, I will put in work. I will put in um, what's the word I'm looking for. I will put in, like effort type effort thing. I will mm. put in effort if it's returned because I deserve that too and I think like everyone should do that we all know or we've all been in situations where you're putting in like um you know a lot of attention to people and making trips and traveling and you know going out of your way and if it doesn't get returned that like attached plants aren't being met and like moreover like we all deserve to have that both ways, relationships, friendships, like workplaces, like everything. We all need to feel like we're valued. I love the passion in that. And it is so true, right? The more self-work you do um, at any age, the better you will be in those situations. I mean, when, you know, you're younger, as you said, you want to please everyone or you might've just come out of a marriage and then your confidence is a bit shot and then you need to get into the dating game again. It's like, you haven't spent that time figuring out who you are, getting that confidence and all of that. So we can sort of put all our eggs in their basket and it's quite scary to have Mm. like no control or no confidence. And then just, yeah, trying to to attach to someone that can easily just run away. It's not a nice feeling. So I definitely have learned and, and still learning that the more confidence that you do have within yourself and, and the more things that you've got going for you, it is a lot easier to connect with someone because 
and, and you see it all the time, like people get together and then one person dominates and the other one sort of lives their lifestyle. And mm. yeah, like it might be fun short term, but you can't stop seeing your friends. You can't stop working or, or, or you can, or like, you know, you can't stop having your thing because then if there's a little bit of conflict, it's like, shit, like, who am I? What am I doing? It, it's yeah. Tricky um, water to tread on, but yeah, just again, it comes back to just do some self work and communicate. It's not just like, oh, you have a bad day, cut someone off. It's like try and work through it. But mm. how long can you try to work through it? You know, if it's if you're texting someone and they haven't replied for a couple of months, it's like, all right, pull the pin. Or if you're in a relationship and you know you've tried for months or even years to get it together and it's not, then it's like maybe we need to have that hard conversation. So it's not yeah. just about giving up straight away. Try and work through it, but still try and have your dignity as well and think rationally and say, okay, maybe I do need to move on. Yeah. Easier said than done though, God. Easier said than done, but it doesn't mean like, like again, feeling hurt is okay. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if you're feeling like if attached parts haven't been met and you feel rejected, that's okay. Like don't, don't respond with that attached part and go needy and go, actually, I'll, you know, I'll drop my worth or what I'm expecting of you. Like that's not the response. Like it's okay. Like heck, I've been dumped. I've been cheated on like when I was younger. And it's about realizing that doesn't mean that I deserve that. Like, fuck that. That's what I mean. It's like, that's the confidence I want people to have just Mm -hmm. to recognize their worth. And I feel like honestly, if I was single, I would really struggle to connect with someone who wasn't self-aware or not doing any work themselves because it makes it really difficult. The more self-awareness you have, the the more things you see in other people. So when they can't see those things, it's really difficult, honestly. And Luke and I have had these conversations too, because luckily like he's quite self-aware and he's had a lot of um, experiences and perspective with work too. So we're sort of on like a similar wavelength, but I was not like that when we first met. Like I was sort of younger. I was probably like 19, 20 when we first met. He was a little bit more mature and older than me. And now like we joke, cause I'm like, wow, I was like immature but now that I've done a lot of work in that time like I we can confidently both say like I've probably surpassed him in self-awareness work like inner work he's definitely doing it now but maybe as well like females males it's definitely a a little bit more I want to say accepted in women would that be fair to say like with men it's really difficult to find spaces where they're talking about mindset it's unheard of right unheard of um so I think that is like the next thing I'm excited for like men boyfriends partners dads like brothers to get the same level of exposure to self-awareness practices and mindset work that we do because Mm. I know how powerful it's been for us and I just think like everyone regardless of gender or age deserves to have that lens too. Yeah, so important to bring up. And that's why you see mental health really high in males, you know, particularly out in rural areas, you know, they have some of the worst rates that there are because they're so isolated and then, you know, physically isolated, but then also the stigma of males not being able to talk. It it just, it's it's horrible. Yeah. And, but it's like, you see it a lot now with charities and sporting clubs, you know, AFL, NRL, they're all sort of saying it's okay to speak type thing. And, and it's just really cool to, to have that, but to go back on you and Luke being together for so long, like that's rare. Like I definitely had a breakup when I went through that transition, just because I was, I was the immature one. I wanted to party and do all that fun stuff. And, you know, I don't regret it, but then 
kind of as I was changing and, and that no longer became a priority and I was a little bit more self-aware, it's almost as if you become a different human. So oh, yeah. you can either go on that ride together, like what you and Luke did, or you can just go separate ways. It's very common from age, you know, 18, 19 to then early 20s to have that happen. Like mm. I'm glad, yeah, you guys are still going strong. So that's good to hear. Yeah, for sure. And it's so interesting when you reflect back on like your own growth, if you do put in the work, like absolutely. And I went through a similar thing, like when I was like, um, like 17, 18, 19, I had like a long-term relationship too. And then I moved to uni and it was that, it was yeah. like, I just wanted to have fun and party. And he was a little bit older and more mature than me. And it just, the disconnect, the long distance that just didn't work. And then meeting Luke, like it was still the same, but he's probably just had a little bit more patience than me. <laughs> and <laughs> I was just like, oh, bless, grateful. Um, but like, I think that was like very much when I started to find fitness and that was the one point for me. That was honestly the fitness was the turning point. I want to say it's changed my life because that's so cliche, but it's changed me as a person because yeah. it allowed me to work on something for myself and see growth. And then obviously we talk about like the, like how much fitness transfers into other areas as well. And I definitely had that. Um, and I, I like, if I was the same person that I was when I was 19, Luke and I would not be together. Yeah. <laughs> I want to normalize that. But yeah, it's, it is very interesting when you say it like that. Cause yeah, a lot of, a lot of people grow apart. A lot of relationships grow apart and that usually happens because one person's growing and the other isn't. And that's really difficult, especially for high achievers where they're working towards things. And if their partner's not doing anything and not, you're not seeing that self growth because it's not a value of them and that's okay each their own like if people don't want to be ambitious with goals that's fine but sometimes I can see in relationships like with friendships like um where they've had that that I guess um issue with partners it's usually because one's outgrowing the other or growing in a different direction maybe not outgrowing but growing in a different direction yeah and it's really nice to hear it from your side of it where you mentioned that Luke was patient with you because imagine if he wasn't like, imagine if he goes, nah, it's too hard. I'm working on myself now. You're still a little bit more immature than me. So it's really nice that he allowed you to have space to do that on your own. And I think that's important too, because to flip it back again, we can be putting in so much work and then start to recognize things in people that they can't see but then who are we to say hey now you need to start working on yourself it's not fair they almost need to be ready I think it's important to still be able to have conversations so the other person can to, can recognize that you are working on yourself and it, mm. it's not to intimidate them or to control them it's like hey you know I know I've had to have conversations with friends and, and close people hey I'm doing this work right now and um, yeah, there are some things that I'm, I'm picking up. Can we just talk about this instead of me saying today, I learned about this, you're that person. Like it, it's a bit scary and full on. So you can, yeah. if you can discuss what you're learning in a gentle way, um, in a way that's not too overwhelming for the other person. Cause again, they don't know any of this stuff. It's very new to them and it's still new to you, but you want to share it with everyone. Just be mindful of the level at which you have those conversations explaining to them what you know but yeah. then if they're really triggered by it shut off by it don't want to have a bar in what you're doing then that's a red flag yeah well like like what we've been speaking about don't respond with a motivated fight part if you're ambitious to work towards things and they're not 
you're just different. And like you said, like they don't have to have the same interest as you, but if they're not heading in the same direction as you, that's when you can run into a little bit of conflict. And that's not just relationships, like in terms of your partner, that's also friendships, Mm. you know? So it's about having like what's most important for you, Um, you know, and like what you said, open dialogue communication is so important in this because if you don't communicate, like you're just going to shut down and not talk to people about it and no one's growing. And that's when things, little problems become big, you know, those little pet, pet peeves and frustrations they become the things that actually break you apart yeah yeah exactly right and we've all been there for sure um so you know when life does throw you a curveball I think it's always like it's hard in the moment and we've mentioned all the different parts that show up and emotions and that we can act really irrational and and all of that um but we've had that scenario and then you kind of look back and hindsight can be your friend obviously depending on the level of what you've gone through you maybe it's like you look back and and I've look back and even you oh, I'm glad I left that job like at the time it was the worst thing in the world I thought I wasn't going to pay my bills I've lost you know what I do in my day today and then you look back and go god if it wasn't for that moment there I wouldn't be here now so just yeah try and look back and and put the puzzle pieces together just for a little bit of peace of mind even though it doesn't take away the feelings of of how you felt and how extreme that event may have been but it's almost a nice way to say cool I had to go through all that shit but look where I am now yeah absolutely I love hindsight I think it's it's really difficult to address things in the moment you usually can't see the wind and sometimes it can seem really like um like demoralizing when people go look on the bright side or what's this teaching you when you're going through it never say that to someone when they're going through it (laughs) never I've done it and you're like oh I regret like saying that um but it's about realizing when you're going through the problem just deal with the problem like just like one foot in front of the other respond how you need to resource out as you need to adopt the behaviors the habits lean on support speak communicate all of those things um but then in hindsight I'm like Thank God that guy cheated on me. Like (laughs) he was a dick, right? So like, I'm so glad. So it's about recognizing like whatever's happening. Like I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason. Like I can look back and go, wow, like all the obstacles, all the challenges, all the hard things I pushed myself through led me to this. And like, I wouldn't change a thing. And that's something that, you know, I get asked is like, what would you do differently? I'm like, nothing, nothing at all. Like everything that happened, happened to put me in this position um, that I'm internally grateful for and everything that I will go through. And this is something that I do like in the moment, if something, you know, does happen, a big challenge, I'm like, you know, this will teach me something in the future. I'm not sure what it is yet. I'm not sure how to be grateful for it, but I'm excited to just like one foot in front of the other, use it as like a character building lesson and be like, okay, I have to develop some resilience, some self-discipline, like adopt a growth mindset, practice all the things I preach and get through it. Because as we've mentioned, life's going to throw you curveballs. Life's going to throw you shit. Um, What's in your control is just what you actually do with it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And when the emotions die down, then you can turn to hindsight or then you can turn to the future and say, what's this teaching me? But as you mentioned so well, and I'll reiterate it, don't be that person who's like, well, at least X, Y, Z. I used to do that until I read it somewhere. I'm like, oh, that's me. And then, and then you could go to say, it's like, oh, no, catch yourself out. Don't say at least just let yourself and let that person sit in it. Like, Yeah. Something I was reflecting on the other day, actually, like I shared on my Instagram about um, like the dermatitis that I'd been struggling with for the last 12 months. Yes. 
And it's in hindsight that I can do this now. Like it, mm. I couldn't do it, but I took all those photos because I knew one day I would be able to. It just wasn't, I couldn't do it when I was going through it. But I used to say to myself all the time, it's not that bad. It could be worse. And then when I actually reached out to people and asked for help, they were like, that's pretty bad. Like that's pretty severe for a dermatitis. And I realized the other day, I used to say to myself, it could be worse. Or, you, you know, I used to say it could be worse all the time. That was a survival mechanism that I was doing. So I didn't have to deal with how hard it was in that moment. I used to say to myself, oh, at least it's not this, or it could be worse. And, you know, other people have it worse than me. It's not that bad. Like those things that we say to other people or ourselves, they're just actually things that we say to get, get out of the discomfort, to get out yeah. of the pain that we're going through. It's not, it's, it might be helpful. And I think it was, it's important to have those little things, obviously maybe to yourself and not other people because yeah. they might feel triggered. But when I say, okay, could be worse and trying to lean on gratitude and perspective and other things like, of course, helpful. But then I was like, huh, like, you know, it actually was pretty bad. And I used to just say that to myself. So I didn't have to really lean into the pain and go through a freeze response or, you know, feel demotivated. I just responded with a fight part and was like, okay, it's not that bad. I'll get on with it. Be grateful, have perspective. Shit could be worse. You've got this, you've done hard things. Like those sort of firm approaches are what get me through difficult times and not good, nor bad just is. Um, but it's only in hindsight that I can see that now. Yeah. And I, I, again, thank you for sharing that post. And for those people who haven't seen it really just, well, a lot of people have obviously seen it, but if you haven't, and you're listening, jump on, have a look, like it's so cool for you to be so vulnerable because you even mentioned in, in your story, like it, your heart was racing. It was hard for you to post that, but like, that's why people look up to you and because you are real. And again, that's why we're here talking about these things because we are real. We do go through shit, but we can make cool things happen off the back end of shit things. Like we are human at the end of the day and we're not here to, to be robots and to appear perfect all the time. And yes, we do have you know, as you said, your heart's racing when you do something vulnerable or we might have that chatter or the limiting beliefs and like, oh my God, am I doing this right? But like, you just got to go through it. And that's very much why we're here in the podcast to, and our individual platforms just to teach you guys that, hey, life can be hard, but it's like, it doesn't mean you have to stop. It doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Or maybe you want space, maybe you don't. It's like, you're an individual and you deserve to deal with things in a way that helps you. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. I think that's a really good way to sort of close everything up, but we really just did want to, I guess, have a bit more of a dialogue and conversation about how we all go through hard things. And we all have to just remind ourselves constantly that social media is a highlight reel. You know, spaces like this, we can share a bit more about what we're going through and be a bit more vulnerable. But you've always got to remember that what you see on the internet is not necessarily real life. And we all have issues. We all have problems. No one's life's perfect. No one's life is, is pristine as to what you see. So we really did hope that this resonated uh, with you and, you know, helps you get through those hard times as well. And as always, if this did resonate, make sure that you take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story. Thanks, everyone.